as we've been talking about this issue of identity, you know, um, Ron probably over the last several weeks has talked about, uh, you know, just who we are uh, as a conqueror, uh, as a follower of God, uh, as a as the people of God. It, the last three weeks we've been focusing on that, and and the Lord just I felt like I knew this I knew I was coming up, and I just had started praying about what I should share about, and I didn't want I didn't feel like I. I didn't want to in the flesh go back to this, but I felt like the Lord was saying, you really just need to go lay some foundation because, you know, as great as that is, and, and but as Ron was talking about being a conqueror, you know, you know, I just started to think, incredible word, but sometimes I think we get in our mindset, well, that's a great word, but that's really for somebody else. Because I'm not sure I could ever be that, right? That's a great word, but I'm not so sure I measure up, or I don't, I don't know if I will ever get to that place. And um, I felt like the Lord said, "Go back and lay some foundation, so you have a, you have a platform and a place to say, yeah, that is a word for me, and it is a word for you. Definitely go back and listen to it if you didn't hear it. Uh, you can go to the website and in the archives uh, on the podcast, listen to that." Listen to the last few and just start getting a, a place of who you are as your identity in Christ. But it's funny because we were just we just saw that and probably like over the last you know two or three weeks I've maybe it's just because you end up speaking about that what you go through. But you know I've just been tried in that. You know sometimes I felt like him at that table saying, "Gosh, I feel like I've done about half halfway on this dad thing." You know who I am as a dad. I think we all stroke, you know, all dads are going to struggle with that as some aspect. But over the last couple of weeks, I've just been really struggling. I had a whole week with uh, Leah gone and getting to be a, you know, stay at home half half the day, stay at home, try to get homeschool through. And, you know, I think what he was saying is that you do realize how much <laughs> your wife does when she's gone. But, you know, and just the, the frustrations of that in and out and, and, and trying to walk with, uh, people that are going into algebra and trying to like like my mind thinks on one level and, and everybody else I think feels like I thinks on another and I don't know how to always compensate for that but just going through that and, and just feeling like the attack really of more I, I've, I've probably called myself or felt like an idiot or frustrated or just a jerk probably more than the last couple of weeks than I have for a long time well, no, I know we have rebuked that, but I've I've struggled with that. So I think we all struggle with this idea of identity, like and maintaining it. And and I just want to lay some foundations for us to continue that we got to continue to step back into and on. Um, and I felt like the Lord said you need to just go back to Genesis, and I, and I'm going to show you something. And there's a, there's a key in there. And um, so anyway, um, from this foundations of. Genesis, and one thing I, I want to encourage you, um, before I forget, but if, um, I, I want to encourage uh, you, if you didn't get to sign up for that, uh, to help out with the rock, I met with Jim Ebel yesterday, had a good talk with him, and we kind of lined out some stuff for the electrical, but we're going to get started on that soon, so if you uh, want to be a participant in that, um, you can let me or Julia know we, if you didn't get on those sign up sheet. I also just encourage you to continue Pray and be a part of life group if you want. Uh, and they just started. We just started a new one over at the 
Johnson's, Wes and Laura. You know, we started a new one, and I just encourage that's a great place to get connected, get uh, impact into your life. And, uh, so I just want to encourage you in that before I started. But I want to look at this uh, relationship to um, your really identity. We're going to talk about four things where your identity is established. And, and some of it, some of these probably are reviewed, but some of these may 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 be something you know, but you just need to bring back into remembrance. Anyway, I, you know, I just as I was thinking, you go back to Genesis. You know, y'all know the Genesis passages. You start in day one, and God created the heavens and the earth, light, and he, and, he, and he makes this statement after, you know, he gets finished with that. And what does he say? And it was what? It was good. All right. It was good. The dry land and the seas and the second day, and those were what? Those were good, right? Go on to the, the vegetation, seeds, plants. Those those were good in Genesis one twelve. Throws up the Genesis one eighteen sun, moon, stars. I mean, have you ever seen some of those incredible pictures of the galaxy and things? I mean, and but they were just what? Just good, all right. Those were good. The birds, the sea creatures, those were good. Genesis one twenty, the animals, you know, those were good. So you get this picture of you know his creation as he's creating. It's it's good, and he uses that word for some reason. I don't know. Seems like he could use all sorts of words for that, but he uses good. So we'll go with that. Don't want to add to that. But you know, all of a sudden it just started. I said, if you start looking over that list, I pulled a couple pictures off the internet. Look at this one. Good. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I, I feel like you should pick another word for that and go on to the next one. Like, good. Go on. Remember sunset. All right. So you get you get the picture. I mean, like somehow I would probably. I felt like maybe there should have been another word used. But see, he wasn't done yet, and I think that's why he was using the word good. Really wasn't done yet, because on the the next day he did what? Genesis one twenty six. Then God said, "Let us make man in our image, and in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over the cattle, the earth, creeping thing." God created man in His own image, and the image of God He created a male and female. Okay, go on. Bless them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, rule over the fish over the birds and everything that moves on the earth. And it says, Behold, I've given you every plant, every tree which has fruit, it shall be food for you. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth which has food, I've given for food. So it was so. And God said, saw all that he had made. And now it's just good, right? Now he makes this statement in there. It's like what? Now it's very good. That word is exceedingly good. So I'm like, now, if you go back to those pictures, I mean, before I read that statement, well, I mean, you, I would have put myself, I saw that first picture. Go back to that first picture there, Matt. If I'd have seen this first picture, uh, I would have probably said, in comparison to that, you know, when we talked about comparison four weeks ago when I spoke last time, right? In comparison to that, I would have probably put myself, even, you know, like, I, I don't even, I'm, I'm just dirt, right? Dirt. I mean, I think that's sometimes our identity, like comparatively, sometimes our identity in comparison to things is I'm just, 
I'm just below. I'm very low. But all of a sudden, God says, this is good. But with man, it's what? Very That's a foundation I have to go back to. I've got to know that at the very core of God's creation, God spoke into you and me that I was what? Very good. Very good. Not just good. None of, none of this was very good until God created him. God created you. That's when it became very good. All right? And so there's, a, there's just a reality that God wants you to be able to stand on that. Because I think sometimes in our, we get this whole sin nature, and we're going to talk about the fact of just even sinner versus saint type thing in just a few minutes. But we get this sin nature thing, and somehow we, I think we get this whole, because I think sometimes even in science it's like, well, man is ultimately evil, and then, you know, with God we become ultimately good. Which, you know, these similarities true. But God always created man good. Like, what he put into existence, good. Sin nature, all that stuff, yeah, sure. He came in and messed up everything. But the reality is that you ultimately are good. So that's got to be a foundation which I stand on. Because if I, if I don't have that framework of where I, when I go into things, I'm always putting myself in not so good place. I will always put myself down. All right? Um, look at even at the, going back to the fall. I mean, you think about even the creation, and then, of course, Adam and Eve are hanging out. You get this little excerpt in there where, you know, Satan comes, right? We all know this. Serpent was more crafty than any beast said to the woman, indeed, as God said, you shall not eat from any tree. The woman said to the servant, from the tree of the fruit of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, you shall not eat from it. Oh, the woman said this. You shall not eat from it or touch it. Of course, been around for a while. God didn't say don't touch it. He said don't what? Eat it. So that's, that's our, we, we kind of start putting like that wall we talked about that before we start putting law in places we says you shall not eat it or touch it you will die of course the servant says you're not going to die for god knows in the day you eat from it your eyes will be opened and you will what you will be like god what's he trying to get there i i, I felt like what what's he trying to push him now i think what he's trying to push him them is the fact that you being a son of God is not enough. Like, there's something else out here that you really need to find out about who you are. It's not enough just to be a man and a woman of God. There's got to be more to this, right? Got to be more to this. And so he's, I think the enemy's always pushing us to find something else, place our identity in something else other than just being a, being a, being a child of the king. No, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And when this, look, and this is interesting. When the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took and ate of it. She also gave it to her husband. Now the problem was, it wasn't the first two. She saw that the tree was good for food. God created it that way. Go, go on to the next slide real quick, and we'll come back to that. Look in Genesis 2.9. Out of the ground the Lord caused to grow every tree that is what? pleasing to the sight, and was good for food. So those, those things have already been established. So that was okay. Go back to the previous one. woman saw the tree was good for food. Okay. It was a delight to the eyes. That's fine because that's the way God created it. 
and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. All of a sudden, now something came into the picture. Now, now I'm, I, I have an opportunity to become something that I wasn't before. And now I'm gonna, I'm gonna gain some identity. I'm gonna gain something here from this. So, you, know, you can just see the enemy just working his way in there, and so. All of a sudden, it wasn't the fact that it was the light of the eyes. God created that way. It wasn't that it was good for food. God created it that way. Of course, they still couldn't partake of it. Um, but God had established it that. And uh, But all of a sudden, she became, she had saw the desire to make one life. She didn't catch that in her. I think the enemy's always going to try to get us seduced into fool, trying to believe that something's out there to make us better. Our identity there, like, man, if I can just get to this level, I will have made it, I'll arrive, I'll become better. I think that's even sometimes, even this whole, you know, going back to this whole fathering thing, it's so hard because you always feel like you could be better, right? You could always, There's always something better out there to do. Instead of just being so content in who God's made me to be as a, as a son of God, and out of that, the depths of that, be a father. That's, I think I'm always trying to, Find things to be a better do do things. Uh, and God's saying, need to rethink that. All right, keep going. Um, and the eyes of both of them were open. They knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves, covered themselves. They heard the sound of the Lord walking, and they hid themselves from the presence of God. Y'all know the story, but just remember this part of it. The Lord called and says, "Where are you?" And I heard this. Adam said, "I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself." I felt like he was saying this statement to us. And he said, who told you? Like, who told you that you were naked? Who told you you were naked? Have, have you eaten from the tree? You know, he knew what happened. That, was a, that wasn't a statement they needed to answer. <laughs> he knew what happened. But I, felt like, I felt like the Lord was saying this morning, like, who told you that you weren't there? Or you weren't that? Who told you that you... Had blown it. Who told you that you weren't a good dad? Who told you that you weren't a good mom? Who's telling? Who's telling us these things? And I don't think we'll find that it's the. the I don't think it's going to be God that's telling us most of this stuff that we think we are. So we got to go back to a foundation of really getting to a place of, of hearing the word of God, and that's the next the next one we're going to go to. But I encourage you. I just felt like the Lord saying, "Who told you?" That, that just that statement kept resounding as I was preparing. He told me. I've got to make sure that what I'm hearing and what I'm listening to is the Word of God only. All right? Go on to the next one. Um, well, you know, before that, you know, it's, it's interesting. The enemy comes along, deceives, you know, uses the identity as a base. You'll be like God. And, that, you know, it's interesting. It's the same thing that he dealt with when he fell. You know, uh, he wanted to become like God, you know. You think about even at the identity of his name, Lucifer. I mean, we always think Lucifer, that's kind of an evil, nasty name. But what did it really mean? It meant, it meant that, star of the morning, bright, brave. Like, that's the that's the translation of what Lucifer means. That's who he was designed and created to be. Now, I think somewhere in there, I don't know, like I said, <laughs> it's all speculation at this point. I don't know how it all got in there, how he ended up, wanting to become like God, but he got seduced into trying to become something that he was never created to be. And all of a sudden, you know, look at the this Isaiah 14, 2 passage. Did I put that in? 
So y'all can write that in there. Isaiah 14, 12. How have you fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, Lucifer, son of the dawn, son of the dawn? You have been cut down to the earth. You have been weakened. You have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will send to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Nevertheless, you will be thrown down to Sheol, to the recess of the pit. And listen, those who will see you, will gaze at you, they will ponder over you. They will be like, man, is this the man who made the earth? I thought the Lord was going to, was saying in that, you know, here, here he had this identity of son of the son of the morning star, and then all of a sudden he's down here, and they're gonna, we're just going to be looking at him going, wow, really, this is who made the earth shake. But how did, it's not about his, you know, he, he lost the glory of what God had created, and now he's, he's operating on his own glory. And, and, and even that glory is just not, it's going to be nothing. We're going to look at it and go, God. But he has such power, not because of, I really believe, his power. It's the power that he had to seduce Eve. You know, our desire to become something, like trying to find something that we're not. You know, we're just trying to believe in that. So anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because, you know, it's the same the same thing that the enemy fell. He, he tries to get us in as well. Yeah. What did he tell Eve? Oh, you'll become like what? Him, knowing good and evil. You'll become like God. So that's not, that's not a, that's the goal is to become like God, but not in that form and fashion. Become like God and seeing who he, he is and become like him, knowing him. And part of that's just in relationship to his word. Let's go on to this next one. We've talked about this a lot, so I'm not going to hear it a whole lot, but as you guys know, it's a, an easy foundation that we always go back to. But just remember this situation in Matthew 4, because I, I never know who's heard these and who hasn't. So I just, like I said, it's got to be a foundation of who we are. Remember when Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, he, after fasting 40 days, 40 nights, the, the most uh, under, uh, what would you call it, uh, Underestimate, uh, understatement, that's what it is. The biggest understatement of the Bible is what? He became hungry, right? Well, of course he became hungry. He just fasted 40 days before. He then became hungry. Of course, it's interesting. Maybe he just then became hungry. But the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, what? Command these sons to bread. What's the biggest word in that statement? Yeah. Right? The enemy's always going to come and talk to us and try to get, speak to us if. If you were a better father, you would. If you were a better husband or a better wife, you would. You fill in the blank. Because each of us have different places. If. You know? I mean, the reality is if it's the same scheme. That the enemy uses it all across the board. He uses it with Jesus. Uh, well, if you are something, then what? Prove it. Prove it. And so what's the what's the exact uh, thing that God says back to him? What? Well, and just remember several verses earlier, Matthew 3, 17, 40 days earlier, you know, several verses before that. What does God declare openly and publicly to God? Jesus. You are my what? Beloved son, with whom I am. Well, please. So it wasn't, God wasn't hiding that from anybody, and I don't think he has it in relationship to us either. We don't hear that a lot. 
but I don't think he hides it. I think he speaks it quite often. And uh, keep going. But it, but he answered. Jesus answered. It's written, "Man shall not live on bread alone, but on what?" Doesn't matter. I mean, you can eat. Don't, don't worry. You, you can you can have your you can eat. But the problem is, don't eat just food. Don't you can't live on that. That doesn't that creates sustenance for you to walk this thing called a daily life as far as your energy level. But it sure does not help in relationship with your spiritual. Life. What is going to sustain you spiritually? What's going to walk? How are you going to walk this thing out in relationship to your identity? But I, on every word that proceeds, but from the mouth of God, it's got to be every word that proceeds from His mouth. Not, not what my experience has told me. Not what somebody else has spoken into my life. Not what anything. It's the Word of God. Why? Why is it so hard to get into the Word of God? Because it contains life, and the, and the enemy knows it. If he can distract us from life. What else? If he can distract us from his word, where are we going to get who we are? Where are we going to get identity? I need that on a daily basis. I don't need that. You know, some I didn't need it 17 years ago or 18 years ago when I met Rick and he started speaking this stuff into me. I didn't. I, don't, I just didn't need it for that day, and I'd be good. I need it every day. I need it every day of my life. I need to walk in it. All right. So, and then he goes on to the next ones. You know, the devil took him to or to the holy city, if, if, same thing, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, uh, prove it, go on to the next slide, on the other hand, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test, and then he goes on, and y- y'all get, y'all know the deal of that, but that's the point I'm trying to make, is that there's a reality that the enemy is going to try to get us to prove it, and if we try to prove it anywhere outside the word of God, then who are we, who are we proving, who I am, not who God's created me to be. Not who God designed me to be. It's, it's, it's my own. It's where I'm trying to get my own identity formed and fashioned. And that's just a challenge for all of us. It's a challenge for me the last couple of weeks, so uh, maybe you guys don't struggle with this. So if you don't, then just, you know, keep listening anyway. Don't, don't go anywhere. <laughs> but look at the next one. Identity is, of course, established in our belief system. Um, Proverbs 23, 7, for as a man, we talk about this a lot, for a man thinks within himself what? All right, so a man thinks within himself what? So he is. As a man thinks within himself, what, what, at the very core, I mean, that's something maybe as a homework you can ask this week. It's at the very core. Well, who do I think? I mean, what do I think about myself? Because what do I think about myself is where, it's, it's what I believe. It's what I live out. It's what I carry out with relationships, with uh, kids. With, I mean, everything I do, I, I realized that. There was some stuff in here that was still going on, and I'm carrying it out with my kids. I'm carrying it out with my wife. And it's messing things up. So I've got to walk. I've got to deal with this myself. Um, look at this. It's interesting. Uh, the example of Gideon. Um, I was thinking about him. You know, the so they, the Midianites, Amalekites, would camp against them, Israel. And look, look at their circumstances. Look at what they've had to deal with. Um, they, destroy, uh, they destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza. Leave no sustenance in Israel. No sheep, no ox, no donkey. For they would come up with their livestock, their tents. They would come in like locusts in number. 
both they and the camels were innumerable, and they came into the land to devastate it. So Israel was brought very low because of Midian and the sun cried out to the Lord. Did you ever see the movie Ants? Oh, it's Bugs Life. Bugs Life, yeah, they come, they eat, they leave, they come, they eat, they leave. You've ever seen that? Nobody's, nobody's seen Nobody watches kids' movies, man. Come on. All right. So what was, you know, the fact, of course, this says they were innumerable, but the fact even in the grasshoppers is that, you know, here you got all these ants that could overtake the grasshoppers easy, but they were, they come, they eat, they leave. They were, they were killing them, right? But anyway, go on to the next statement. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak, that's, that's kind of a neat little picture. The angel kind of just came, going out, sitting down, taking a break under the oak, right, uh, which belonged to Joash. And, and his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press in order to save it from the Midianites. It had gotten to the place where he had to take the wheat, put it in the wine press to, so that the Midianites wouldn't wouldn't find it, wouldn't get it. He was beating the, beating the wheat out in there. So, I mean, can you just put yourself in that predicament, like where... Everything's taken from you. The people are devastated. You're, you're at probably the low of lows. You're beating wheat in the wine press, but you're not even you're not even in the place where you're. I don't know what you're supposed to do with wheat, but I think grapes are supposed to be in the wine press and, and all that. But they ain't got no grapes, right? They just got it all taken. But all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, "The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior." Now, who's, who in the world is going to believe that? I mean, the angel of the Lord's sitting there telling you, but, I mean, who's going to say, yes, you're exactly right. I am a valiant warrior. And, oh, and he's speaking identity. Into him. God's coming and speaking identity into him. When circumstances don't match up, you know, life is not matching up, things aren't in there. He's trying to speak something into him. But you've got to receive this. Even before the battle, or else when you get in the battle, you're you're not going to be able to stay the course. You're not going to be able to stay the course. And so what happened? A valiant warrior. Gideon said to him, you know, probably what we would say, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why? Anybody ever ask the question, why? You know, if I'm a, really, if I'm a daughter of the Most High God, then why am I dealing with this? Why, am I, why are my finances with this? Or why? Is life so hard right now? Or why is nobody pursuing me? Or why? I mean, you can go on the gamut of why, right? But it says, why then has all this happened to us? Where are all his miracles, which Father told us about? I mean, anybody feel like, wait, that's something? Where's the miracles? I mean, we hear about them, so where are they? Did the Lord bring us up from Egypt? Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? You know, and I, could, I, always, I always love the Lord because he's not offended with our... Nice little rants and rage. It's really not. They don't do us any good, but he doesn't get offended. Because look, he, he doesn't even address it. He's like, but the Lord is, well, he goes, but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. So, I mean, do you feel the accusation against God? Anybody ever done that? Not anybody? Mm-hmm. Right? No, no, never. All right. The Lord looked at him and said, he didn't even address it. He's like, mm, just put that to the side. Go in this your strength. He goes back. I'm. I don't. I'm not dealing with your issues right now. I'm dealing with your identity. I'm going right back to the place I just called you, valiant warrior. So do this. Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? How awesome. He said to him. Well, of course. Then he goes back. You know, Moses did this too. I mean, any great, 
any great leader has done. He's like, well, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family's the least identity. Least in, what, what, what's his, what is his identity? Least. Uh, and I am the what? Youngest. Right? I can't do anything. It's the oldest that does all that stuff, right? It's the youngest. I'm the youngest. Uh, isn't that interesting? The Lord almost consistently picks the youngest, picks the, the, the least. Isn't that interesting? So if you're feeling that way, maybe you just know that you're picked. You're good. You're, you're chosen, right? Um, I am the youngest in my father's house, but the Lord said, surely I w-. He didn't, like I said, he just he doesn't even address what he's, he's like, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm going right back to where I spoke to you, valiant warrior, right? Surely, and it's not even his strength that's going to do it, and that's fine. It's not our strength that gets us anywhere, right? Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as what? And if you know the rest of the story, we're not going to go through it. Well, we don't have enough time. We got four points. And it is 9:44, so I don't know if you remember the last time this clock is working. It is not 9:20 the whole time. Uh, sorry, last time if you weren't here, the clock was 9:20, and I kept looking at it, thinking I had plenty of time, and it was actually about 10 after 10. I had a couple more points to make. Uh, but the Lord surely I'll be with you. And so go on. I think that was it. Oh, and they. Oh, no, that was just the next one. I didn't put a title to it. But so that's the example of getting. Just, so just remember, valiant warrior. God is declaring over us. And he doesn't. He's not afraid of our questioning or our excuses of why we're not going to do things or why. He's not afraid of those. If, but he's not, don't get offended if he just comes back and says, valiant warrior. Go in my strength. Deliver. There's, I mean, I just feel like we're all in that place of getting in that. Man, we have, there's a potential that people, people's lives need to be changed. Uh, nations need to be changed. Including ours, right? Nations need to be changed. And get, you, know, you know the, the rest of the story. Gideon didn't do it with a massive army. He did it with how many? 300. God said, God, God, God got him. He got a bunch of people together. He said, not slash that. And he got him. So he's like, okay, slash it again. Slash it again. Really, God? I mean, you really want me to take 300 people? And he went and defeated the Midian, who were just, we just heard were what, too numerous? We didn't count. That'd be God. That's the cool thing. God will deliver. Look at this example of Naomi. Uh, y'all, if y'all knew the story of Ruth, uh, Naomi. Her husband just died. Like, like you said, if you want to figure out circumstances of life that are hard, find, just go through the word, man. There is plenty of them. Naomi's uh, husband just died, or, or two uh, sons married uh, two daughters, and then they died. So all she's got left is Ruth, somebody else. Everybody knows biblical history. Write it down. But so Ruth decides Naomi's going to go back to her, uh, her place going back but so they um ruth just said she's going to go with her the other daughter-in-law stayed all right so ruth goes with her so they both went and went until they came to bethlehem when they had come to bethlehem all the city was stirred because of them that's interesting and the woman said is this naomi now 
Anybody know what Naomi means? I wrote it down there in case you want to cheat. All right, there you go. <laughs> if you don't know what it is, it's on the paper. Naomi is, by definition, by identity, God declared into her what? My delight. My delight. So all of a sudden, Naomi comes to this place. She said to them, do not call me Naomi. Because why? I'm not, my, I'm not God's delight. Otherwise, why would have all this have happened to me? That's, if you read the story, that's really what she's going to say right here. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Anybody know what Mara is? What is it? Bitter. It's up there too, right? Um, bitter. They call me bitter. For the Lord has dealt with very bitterly with me. I, I went out full. The Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord is witness against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? And that's, I mean, like I said, God is not always offended with what we think. I don't think that's what God's truth. I don't think that was the truth of God. I think there's plenty of people, if you go throughout the Word, that spoke out these type of things because that's what it feels like when your husband dies and your two sons die. It is hard. It, and I'm, I'm not disclaiming any of that. Huge hurt. Massive hurt. But there's something that redemptive that God wants to do in bring us back to the identity and just maintaining that course of identity. Naomi needed to keep her identity as my delight because guess who comes through her family line? Anybody know? You know who? Go on to the next scripture. I think I put it in. This is the end of Ruth. The women said to Naomi, this is the end. You can't always stop in the middle and define your identity about uh, by the circumstances because it's not the end. It's funny. <laughs> I was talking to Ernie today. He stopped the game last night. He tech game it. He just turned it on. It was a minute and 45 left. We were down 35-31. He turns it off because he thought it was the end of the game, right? Sometimes you get surprised, right? Turns it back on. We actually won. That was great. But anyway, um, I felt like I played that game after trying to get through that. I was like, good grief. Really? Didn't have to exercise today. Okay. All right. But the Lord said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a Redeemer today. May his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of life and sustainer of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons. She didn't even know who she had. Like, she missed she missed the whole thing about who was even around her. That's what happens when we start. Our identity comes focused on bitterness. And, you know, all, just all the circumstances. When our our circumstances define who we are, that's who we become. And so we miss out. She missed out on a daughter-in-law that was better than what? Seven sons. Okay. That's what we miss relationships around. Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and became his nurse. The neighbor woman gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. So they named him Obed. Obed. He was the father of Jesse. He was the father of what? And of course, Keep following it is the line of. Isn't that awesome? The redemptive story of how God took Ruth, who was a. Who was a uh, Moabite? Yeah, Moabite. Yeah. Married into that family. Lost her husband. Came, you know, 
the whole kinsman redeemer thing there. You know, how um uh, lost his name. Mary Boaz, you know, redeemed her. And all of a sudden the line of Jesus That's we've got to realize that that's the same thing in our life. If we don't get this identity thing down, we will put ourselves in a place where we, we don't matter. We don't we don't have any effect. And we will miss out on family lives. We'll miss out on that fact of God wanting to show us relationships that we have right around us that that we're empowered by. Anyway, I gotta keep going. Alright. But the goal is even this these two scriptures, Philemon Philemon one six. I pray the fellowship of your faith will become effective where? Through the knowledge of every good thing that is in that's when your faith becomes effective, when your identity is based off of every good thing that God's placed in this being. This That's when faith becomes effective. Not when I go out and witness 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I mean, the reality is that I want to know who's what's in here, so I, it'll always be a witness. Wherever I go is a witness. And I'll specifically do some things like that because I want a witness, but it's going to be a place for that. In Second Peter one three, I, I, this, I've, Lord's put this scripture on me more than any scripture these past three four years. Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. If I can get that scripture in me, I don't go search for stuff out there. I don't believe that there's something else that can be added to my life that will make me better. I don't believe that there's somewhere down the line that I'm going to get a hold of all this because it's where already in here he just said he is granted through his seeing that his divine power is granted to me everything pertaining to life and godliness what through the true knowledge of him who is in me him who called us to his glory right i've got to get that um you know, I, I saw this more than anything this we have an awesome julie and i have this awesome, a great friend uh, brian character shared this testimony so many times we were at a uh, youth camp that we used to do. Um, he basically, from a, from the day he was born, people started speaking into him about who he was. And it was not good. I mean, he, they said he would never amount to anything. I mean, I'm sure his actions and stuff helped that matter out, but people just spoke that he wasn't going to be in it, especially from, I think, his father. I believe it was his father or a very significant person. But uh, I'll just use father because I think it's true. But father, he won his life, always spoke into him that he wasn't going to be anything. He didn't have the, what it takes. But all through school, he struggled. He made what? What do you think he's going to make in that? C's, D's, F's. Basically, he struggled all the way through school. Comes to, the only reason he got into App State because is that he, his dad knew somebody up high in App State. And they got him in. Okay? So he shouldn't even gone. He shouldn't even be what got into college. Goes to App State. So if you've been in college before, you know that sometimes the, these professors they'll have these little extra credit things you can do, and you can go and participate and be a guinea pig of sorts. Well, he did this. He goes and he goes and he's going into this thing of their second IQ. All right. So he's a guinea pig. So he goes and he's like, "This is great. I can find out really how bad I am." You know. So he goes in there, takes the test, takes it all the test. And then he comes back, and 
I don't know, it was either that afternoon or the next morning, the professor called me. He said, he's like, Brian, he's like, do you know what you scored on this IQ test? Like, I don't know. He's like, you're a borderline genius. Hmm. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, guess how he finished school out. Great age. What's the difference? He didn't do anything different. He didn't become a different person. He began believing who he was. He was always designed to be, right? He didn't. He, he was over here. He's believing man's word. He's believing his identity so wrapped up into his own actions, man's words, his own failures, his lack of success. All of a sudden, he gets the truth of who he really is, and all of a sudden, what? He can do it. He can walk that out. He can become, well, y'all know the characters. Too. And, uh, and so there's just the reality of that. I mean, that's just the testimony of that. Um, you even think about this whole this whole thing about sinner versus saint. We've, we've talked about this thing, but I felt like the Lord said, cause I did this in youth one time, I think. I think I did it. I think I did it in the life group the other night when we were talking about it. I said, but, you know, what if I, t- I asked this question? I said, are you a sinner? They don't, you don't have to yell it out. <laughs> I don't want to know. You just keep that to yourself. Are you a sinner? Can you define, are you a sinner? Answer that question. And then if I would ask the same question, are you a saint? What's 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 the typical response, all right? Some of us already know those answers, but what's the typical response? If I go in a church setting, if I ask you, are you a sinner? Where more hands go up for the sinner or the saint? Sinner, of course. Because that is what, even church life, sometimes we're geared to believe that we are what? Sinners. Of course, we hear that statement, sinners saved by grace, which there's some truth to that. But the reality is I'm a past sinner that I'm saved by grace, that now I am a what? Saint. I mean, look at, and if you don't believe me, I just go to the word. Look, look at what look at Romans one seven to all those who beloved of God called as what saints holy ones. That's your version might not use saints. My version does. It's the same saints holy ones. That's their their. You can replace each one of those. First Corinthians saints by what? Calling. Go on to the next one. To the church of God which is at Corinth with all the what saints to the saints who are at Ephesus I mean he he writes almost every one of his I mean was he just writing them to just a few a few elect people you know that were actually dictated by saints I mean is that I mean are we going to truly believe that that he was just I mean we don't I don't I read Ephesians like it's to me right so if I'm reading Ephesians like it's to me then I've got to say that I'm a what that I'm included in that I'm a saint now, sometimes do I act contrary to that? Well, that's the whole sin fall nature, fallen nature. I'm just acting according to who I am not. And we've got to get that right. But I think I, when I act and do that, then I be I feel like I become. When I fail, when I sin, I feel like I become. It's so easy to get back over in that rut. Well, this is just who I am. I'm a terrible dad, I'm a terrible husband. I'm, you know, I got in that rut. All right, Philippians, it's all the same. Keep going, Jude. 
handed down to the saints. Having ministered Revelations 13 times, it declares that we're saved. Romans 8 times, and in one series of verses, it says something about going to the... Uh, so anyway, I speak all that because I think even still, there's a tendency to say, I'm the sinner. There's not such a tendency to say, I'm the saint. Now some of that we think, that's because I don't want to be prideful. And say, don't be prideful about it. That's fine. But definitely declare it to that who you are. Saint, saved by grace. I'm not bigger than anybody else. All right, let me keep going. Um, the last one, identity is established in Christ and walked out in the body. This is huge for identity. For even as the body is one, it has many members. All the members of the body, though they are many, are what? One body. One body, one God. It's in Christ. That's where I get my identity established there. But look at this. For by one spirit, we are baptized in one body. Keep going. The body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part. doesn't matter what you even think. It goes back to the whole Gideon thing. He's like, I don't care what you think. If you don't think you're a valuable warrior, that's all right, because I'm going to keep calling you that. I'm going to keep reminding you of that. All right? doesn't matter. If you don't believe you're the foot, foots are very important. Otherwise, I'm this. You know, I, I'm confined, right? I don't, I don't have that part of the body that I need. If I'm a hand, if I'm, I don't believe that I'm a hands, and this is what this, this body looks like. Looks like a bunch of uh, veggie tails going, going at war. Yeah, isn't that the funny the veggie tails? You always feel like, where, is it? like, what are they doing? How are they doing all this without hands? Um, but that's what we look like. And of course, none of us, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't take part of that. But if it's not a part of the body because I'm not an eye. I'm not part of the body. You know, we don't have eyes. Then what do we do? I mean, it, just get that. You're so important to this body. You're so important to the body of Christ in Virginia Tech. You're so important to the things that are going on in this NRV. Huge. Um, and that, and we don't. Everybody. I can, I can go and I can look everybody in this congregation in the eye and say. You are important. You are important to the Father. You're important to the kingdom. You're important to who God is, what his mandate is on this earth. You are important. I've got to get that identity back if I don't have it. Right? Keep going. Now God has placed the members, each of them, if they were all one member, where would the body be? That would look really strange to have just a foot or just a hand walking around. I guess you could wave with it, but. Other than that, it's not going to be. Um, so, on the and, and it's interesting. You, you go on and read the bottom. It starts saying, the members of the body which seem to be weaker are what? Necessary. Keep going. And the members which we deem less honorable on those we're supposed to bestow what? Even more abundant honor. So, God doesn't even, he doesn't even just say, you know, he just says, even the ones that we think are less honorable, we're supposed to what? They're supposed to be the most honorable. So if you feel like you're less honorable, you're great. You're the most. You're those that God's declaring the most The ones we describe as probably more honorable, more honorable, right? Those we deem what? Less honorable. Not because they're any less. It's just the fact that's what God's saying. It's like everybody's important. Everybody gets back to the same place of importance. 
same level. We can't have a hierarchy of sorts. Everybody's important. All right, keep going. All right, he's the walking net. And I think I just wanted to say, you know, that that's really my testimony. I think the the biggest thing, one of the biggest salvation moments of my life is when one morning I was in my quiet time, and all of a sudden I was, you know, I was kind of like, well, you know, I wasn't feeling great about myself. And I didn't do a whole lot of stuff at Eagles Nest, but other than you know, be at the door, and yeah, at least I saw, like, saw, saw. You know, I'm, I'm at the door. I'm not doing really anything important. I'm not. Kingdom of God's not being, you know, thrust through, and you know, just one of those moments. And I'm like, you know, and you hear this God loves me, and I'm like, well, He loves everybody. And I'm kind of made, I'm having this discussion in my mind. I made that statement. Well, God, you know, of course You love me. You love everybody. It's kind of one of those I'm not special moments. Anybody have those? I'm not very special. I'm a low man, whatever. And God. Man, as much as he could have spoken out loud without speaking out loud, into my spirit, he said, Nick, I, like I like everything about you. There's some things that, yeah, that all oh, that sin nature, you need to, we, we're going to walk that out, but I like who you are. I like what you did. I like, and, I like, and I'm serious, that was a salvation moment for me because now I, I realize there's, there was purpose behind those things. There's, there's identity behind those things. I didn't, I didn't need to take them on identity myself, but, all of a sudden, he was breathing that into me, that I'm in, I am important. I, I like he likes me. He doesn't just love me. I mean, there's a, there's an aspect of that, but the reason that he liked me almost elevated my relationship with him. Like, I just pray he speaks that to you in whatever way he needs to speak that. He is so he loves you. He likes you. He's so pleased with you. You're very important. Very important. Peace to walking this out. Three quick things. Well, the first one, of course, is just going back to that passage. I've got to live out of his word. Remember the whole Punchinello? Uh, you are a special deal. Anybody? Kids going back to the kids. I'm going to start getting you guys into the kids. Kids movies are the best, especially this. You are special. There's this character called Punchinello. Stars, dots. Maybe that brings some things. Uh, man, everybody likes like they don't know it. So maybe I should say. So Punchinello is this guy that he always gets. There's stars and dots, and, and there, you know, there's a lot of people that get all these stars, and they're all the great people of the society. And then there's people that get dots, like Punchinello. And the dots mean that you've done something bad. The stars mean you've done something good. So of course, all he ever got was dots. He couldn't do anything. He was clumsy. He was, you know, all this stuff. So he, he got so his identity got so wrapped up in these dots and so wrapped up in getting the star like he had to go find a way to get a star but then he met this girl named Lucia and Lucia for some reason didn't have either and he saw that she was happy and she saw that he, she was like you know he just danced around was a friend to her was a friend to the stars was a friend to the dots like and so he got infatuated with this girl. Like, and so he kept saying, how in the world do you not have stars and dots? Why isn't that not important? He says, I go to Eli every morning. I don't need stars and dots. But, you know, um, he takes her to see Eli. And it's awesome what Eli just speaks. He says, and Eli, he asks him, well, why, why, doesn't she, why doesn't she have it? Why don't they stick to her? Like, because she, she believes in my my word is doesn't matter what they say. doesn't matter what they say. doesn't matter what I do. My words are the most important. 
she comes every morning to the workshop and hears from my voice. That's how she That's how she does have a little story. And I, just, my, I think it's one of my favorites. I love it. Because I think, you know, wherever we're at, maybe you have a lot of stars, maybe you have a lot of dots. I pray that we can just get rid of both and we can just be back to that foundation of children of God. Maybe next week that's probably what we'll talk about. More about who we really are. I felt like we need to go back and lay this foundation. So living out his word, uh, going to Eli, going to, you know, Eli was the representative of Yahweh. Going to, going to God himself, getting that word. Every word that what? Proceeds from the mouth of God. That has to be my bread. Has to be life for me. Alright? And it's not easy. I, I, I don't get up every morning going, I really want to read the Word, or I really want to hear what God has to say, or I really want, you know, it's not a easy task. But getting in there and getting what God's saying about me, speaking about me, is huge. Um, second one is, uh, I just felt like this one, this is huge. Live with contentment, Philippians 4. Not that I speak from what? One. If I speak from want, I'm always going to be on the move. I'm always going to be trying to get the stars. I'm always going to be trying to find something else to you know, establish who I am. Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be what? Content in every, whatever circumstance I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I know how to live in prosperity. Here's a guy that he was rich and he was poor, and it didn't save him. How many of us could say that if all of a sudden we had nothing, that we could say that? I, I'm not sure I'm there yet, so <laughs> I'm including myself in that picture, okay? But for some reason, he could go hungry, he keep going, any, any, any and every, man, the writer of this book doesn't give us any slide, right? Any and every, that pretty much includes all, right? Is that, is that the word definition for all? All circumstances, I he learned the secret. What was the secret of being filled and going hungry, but both of having abundance and suffering need? What was the secret of all that? Like being at this place where I am so satisfied with who I am as a child of God that even if I have goals in my life, those goals don't define me, they don't drive me, they don't get in my way, that I can be so content where I'm at. See, this is what kills me because I can get, I can get, I can feel pretty good about myself, but I'm always driven by what I don't have or what's way out there that I've set up as a great goal. It's a good goal. It's, a, it's, a good, it's probably a God goal in a lot of ways, but unfortunately, I'm, I don't rest in the contentment of where I'm at, so I'm always being driven somewhere else. That's a, that's called frustration. That's called never being able to rest. That's called being able to be content because I mean, Paul was in prison. Not out saving the world, not out doing anything, not out making a living, not out doing all this stuff that we usually deem as profitable. But he was able to be in prison and be what? And he, the gospel continued to go forth wherever he was at. It was awesome. Um, godliness is a means of great gain. When? Accompanied by something has to go with something. I can get, I can have godliness, and it doesn't, if I don't have contentment, for some reason it's not great gain. Okay? 
Godliness is great gain when I can be so content with who God is and I can be so content with what he's called me to be as a son of God. And then all the details are you know, peripheral, but the reality of coming back to that place, great gain. But contentment, that's a hard one. Because I say, I say a lot of us being driven to something that's out there that probably is too big of a standard to even reach. Too big of a, sometimes we set too big of goals. I'm probably a big proponent of that. Too big of goals and I don't ever reach them. So then I start doing what? Not even trying. I'll become very, I'll be very lack of content because I'll never get to where I'm going, wanting to go. Uh, the last one. Look to the reward. Look at this Hebrews passage. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be called the what? He refused to be defined by Pharaoh's what? But guess what? If, I mean, the reality is the temptation. I mean, put yourself in that place. Pharaoh's son, most powerful, influential, rich person on the world at that point in time, I think. The hypothetical or maybe so if it's seems to be true at that point. He man. Okay, so don't don't belittle what he had to do right here. He his identity up a lot of up to that point was a fair son. Wow, I'm second in I'm 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 in line. I'm in line for the throne. I'm behind a couple people, but I'm in line. All right. I am in a place of power. I'm in a place of worth. I'm at a place of you know, prestige and grandeur. All of a sudden, he refused to be called Pharaoh's son. But son of Pharaoh's daughter. Grandson, that's right. I refuse to be called the grandson of Pharaoh. The son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to endure what? Ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures approach or passing pleasure. <laughs> Our choice. Um, considering the reproach oh sorry, ill treatment. Ill treatment, pleasures of sin. I mean who's who's really sometimes I mean that's you gotta be pretty set in your identity of who you are to be able to choose what? Ill treatment versus passing pleasure. Right? Um, considered the reproach of Christ greater riches. That's perspective, isn't it? Reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. He saw it all. Somehow he came to an incredible conclusion. He considered that the reproach of Christ, what he was going to have to endure with Christ, was greater than what? Treasures of Why? He was looking to the reward. Now the problem is, what is the reward? Right? I put some things. What is the reward? We need to answer this question, and we'll continue to be looking for the reward here, like on with earthly things. I think we can receive the reward here in relationship with what God has for us. But what was He looking to? We need to answer this question or we'll struggle with trying to be called, struggle with that question. Are we going to be called 
this or are we going to be called this? Uh, we need to answer this question. We choose to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. We choose to observe ill treatment. Uh, we need to answer this question. Our, or our treasures that we will seek will be Egypt's treasures. Remember that scripture in Matthew 6, 21? You know, where your treasure is, there your what? Heart will be also. You know, you find out what's in your heart. I mean, you find out where your treasure is. You know where your heart's at. That's why God's calling us back to that place of I've got to look to the reward. And I think the reward, we can enjoy an incredible relationship with God. I think that's the reward that he was also looking to the fact that he's going to spend his eternity with us. But the reality is what he did here on earth had a whole lot to do with that. That was huge. So he didn't want to spend his very finite time being something that would not have gotten him a good for the glory of the kingdom of God. To enjoy the passing pleasures of sin would have gotten him into a place where I don't know where he was. So I just encourage you that I've got to look to the reward, and I just need to find what what is the reward? What what am I chasing after? What am I seeking out after? What am I looking to for? What reward am I looking for? Some of us don't have a reward in mind, so we don't live towards it. And our identity is such that we've gotten we probably failed so many times, or we're, we feel so bad about ourselves, is that. I don't have a, even a, even if I had a reward, it's going to be hard to get to. So I just want to speak today. I want to speak some of these things because I want to. I want you to have a foundation on which to begin to receive. If you haven't, and if you have, I want you to receive more. The fact that even from creation, God called you what good, and that His life about you, His heart about you, is what good. Subtract out all the junk that you've done. Subtract out all the stuff that you did yesterday and the day before or whenever and begin to live life on what God has declared about you. And good. Very good. Sorry. Not good. Very good. That's what he declared about you. He declared out of his word. I mean, I could have given you list after list of what. Go find out. I mean, we have lists of who you are in Christ, what God has declared about you. Most of us won't make it through that list because we don't know that there's a foundation to stand on that. I don't know if these are really for me. Yes, they are. God called you very good. You can stand on that. Stand on that. The fact that what is my belief system? Belief system. I'm, if uh, this whole uh, man thinks within himself, so he is. Start asking those questions, man. I gotta start believing better. Start thinking better in relationship to who God has declared me to be. Doesn't mean I need to go do better. It means I need to start believing what God has declared and live that out. And then um, identity establishing Christ and walked out of the body. You've got to know that you're an important part of this body. You're an important part of the body of Christ. You're important to the, the thrust of the New River Valley in this place and the floods and the, and the outreaches of this community. So you're important to that. You're important to us. As a family. Not just me. This is a family. You're important to us. So out of those foundations, I can start to stand and walk and receive these things. That you are a what? From what Ron spoke last week. You are a conqueror. I can receive that. Because that's what God has called me. That's what God has spoken in. 
That's what I want to pray. <laughs> He's got it. I want to pray, and then I want to pray. But Lord, I just I do want to pray this over the God that Your Holy Spirit that would just come and just bring illumination to this God. I know that for me, the foundation of what I've had to walk through just the last couple of weeks, just struggling with who I am as a dad, who I am as a as a father, as a husband, as just a person of this body and person of whatever God, I just show me and spoken into me. You've got to go back to these foundations. Got to believe in your heart. Got to believe in your spirit, God. These things that I've created are good. That my word is the bread of life that fills you up and that help you in relationship to this identity. That God, that that, that belief system of believing that I was a jerk, that I was going to start acting like that. That's what I really believe. If I believed I was a failure, I was going to start acting like that. Out. Or just say, really align that belief But I got to speak, the Lord was just uh, giving me, there's a lot of of awesome stuff in that, Mitch. Revelation was just coming out all over the place. I didn't have time to even write it all down. I got to speak, but uh, there's two things that he just really, uh, just really, Lord, put in my heart to highlight. First was, as Mitch is saying, look, ask the Lord to define the reward, define the reward. I'm going to say something, and it's going to sound kind of anticlimactic. But uh, Mitch pointed out with Gideon, you know, God said, oh, valiant warrior, and then he starts talking about why. You've left us. He said two things. I'm with you and a valiant warrior. And then he starts talking about God being with him. And then Gideon starts questioning, well, how can this be? And God's response to him, one thing, I'm with you. But he said the same thing with Moses. Moses, you're going to go and uh, you know, let's, let God's people be. And Moses says, well, who am I that I would do this? And God says the same thing. I am with you. Our reward is what? Him. And when we're talking about identity, there's what the Lord spoke to me. The second thing the Lord told me to highlight about the end, the reward. It's so true. When he brought up about Naomi, 
in this deal with Ernie, that was pathetic. When he said that about Ernie turning the TV off before the football game was over, the Lord said to me, that is pathetic. Because identity is not established until the end. It is. It cannot. It, it is always established in the end. Think about this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. Beloved, it has not yet appeared as what we shall be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him. That's identity. Why? For we shall see him as he is. The next statement is this. He who fixes his hope on this does what? Purifies himself just as he himself is pure. See, all what happens is we quit. We lose hope. We lose sight. And there's a word right there that some of you have lost in relationship to your identity and who God has called you to be or what. Another thing the Lord spoke to me is there's many different ends in life that will culminate in forms of identity. And, uh, you know, and you cannot stop. You cannot do what Ernie did. Turn the TV off. Or you will miss the best part of the whole game of life. And I think about somebody like an Abraham Lincoln, a guy whose life was marked with failure throughout his life. Always probably the long drink of water who wasn't much of anything, but considered, I, I believe, one of the greatest presidents of the United States of America. Because his identity was established in the end. And some of us in this room have lost sight of that and we've grown and lost hope. And what does it say in Proverbs? It talks about uh, where there is no vision, no hope, people cast off what? Restraint. What's the use? And so you start operating contrary to the identity. And I think there's some people that we need to pray about that today. Oh, boy. I agree with that, too, but I also believe that there are people in here that have bought into the lie that they're disqualified. So I think that, too, while the music's going, you know, some of you have lost hope, and some of you uh, feel like you're disqualified. And it's a lie, so you, so you need to repent. You know, you need to repent of believing a lie and buying into the fact that you're disqualified. Yeah, that's yeah, thanks, babe. Because the other past scripture Lord took me was Acts thirteen twenty two, where I said, "I found David, a man after my own heart." Who's just listen to this statement? Listen to the identity of David. This is God. You want to hear this? This the last part of David's identity, Acts seventeen thirteen twenty two, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. That's the identity of David. He was a what? He had done what? Adultery? Murder? Sinful census where 75,000 people were killed? And uh, his, his uh, function as a father had a little bit to be desired. But the redemption of God said, guy who did not quit 
who was not, who refused to, to take the judgment. I love what Paula said. Did not consider himself disqualified because of the mercies of God. So, I didn't mention, I think we need to pray for her. There's some people in here who feel like quitting in relationship to their identity. Two is, what did you say, Paula? Disqualified. So, I'm going to sing, and if you feel led to come forward, shall we gather? No. <laughs> I can't follow it up either. So. Jerry, you going to? I thought you were going to get up and play play. But we're going to do this without music because DJ's not bad. I can't play the piano either. So. Let's just play. Uh, I just want you to begin to pray and and I, I believe that. I, I just encourage you to take a step of faith this morning. Let's come and take a few minutes to labor anything. But if you want to pray in relationship to anything, those two calls, or any, anything that was spoken this morning that calls something in you to say, yeah, I, man, that's, that's something I need. That's something I need to walk in. I just want you to come forward. Just as Chris is playing, we Begin to come forward, we'll pray for you. Lord, we just thank you for that. I just want everybody else to close their eyes and just pray. I want you to begin to pray in their seat. Lord, we just thank you for, God, just your heart for, for people this morning, God, just for the body of Christ this morning, calling people out. God, thank you for, God, you continue redemption power, Lord. Need to call anybody else. Those are people need to hear, need to receive.